welcome to Conversations About Life. I'm happy to be to have a guest of Eric Nevins with me today. And Eric has a podcast called Halfway There that um, a friend introduced me to. And it's kind of a, a little bit of a funny story. Um, a friend, uh, you know, saw what I was doing with a kind of conversational style podcasting. And uh, he referred me first to um, a comedian's podcast. Um, his name's Mark um, Marion, I believe, and his uh, podcast name is WTF. And uh, I, I thought, well, it is conversational. <laughs> but then he also introduced me to Eric Nevins and his podcast, Halfway There. And it was kind of funny because the two couldn't hardly be more opposite in some ways. But then in other ways, uh, they are you know, intimate conversations with people about things that really matter. And um, so anyway, I'm really happy to have Eric with me. Um, how are you doing, Eric? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Will. And by the way, I love Mark Marin. He he is one of my influences. I used to listen to him quite a bit because he does celebrity interviews, and he's got a really interesting style. The way that he'll go in and try to get information out of people, and so I've I've uh, I've definitely learned from him. So that's interesting that you ran into him as well. Yeah, yeah, and I've enjoyed halfway there. It's um, your uh, your podcast is definitely more uh, polished and professional um, than mine. and But yet it is intimate and you really get to know people and hear their stories. One thing that I would like to um, ask you about when I was looking at your website is you mentioned spiritual formation and that sounded really interesting to me. Um, could you go? Could we start there, and maybe you could just talk a little bit about what spiritual formation is? Yeah, absolutely. So I consider spiritual formation to be the study of how we grow in Christ. So it's really pretty simple. Um, you know, I grew up in a very evangelical background, uh, and where we were always told to read your Bible and pray. But I didn't learn really how to do any of those things until I went to college. And I like to say uh, I got a degree in biblical studies where I learned how to study the Bible. And then I went to seminary where I learned how to pray, and I really had to go into to some other kinds of uh, practices than I had been given growing up. And um, so, yeah, spiritual formation is just the you know the study of like how do we actually grow in Christ? What is that spiritual journey like? And so that's what I wanted to do with my podcast is tell that full story. Okay, did you come up with? Um the term um, spiritual formation? Oh, no, no, it's, it's been around a really long time and there's a lot of other people who, um, who use it, but it's, um, but yeah, it is, it is one that, that I like. So like, for instance, when I went to, I moved out to Denver to go to Denver seminary and we, I studied spiritual formation, but we also called it Christian formation. Cause it's really that study of like, you can be spiritually formed in a lot of ways, right? Like that's, whether you're Christian or not. So, um, you know, I guess it, the term, but the term has been around a long time. Okay. Okay. So, so from, from what I'm understanding, understanding, it has, it has to, to do with, with um, 
like spiritual, like spiritual growth. growth um, um, yeah, I would. More, you could think of it as sanctification, just, um, right? So, like, what's sanctification? Yeah, what's that process like, right? So, like, um, you, you know, there's there's certain definable stages or certain practices that can help you as you go. Spiritual formation is the thing that kind of covers all of that. Okay. Um. Well, that's interesting. Um, for you, you know, what do you think of when it comes to like what causes you to grow, you know, particularly in intimacy with God um, in, in that relationship? Yeah. Well, for me, it's it all depends on the uh, stage of the journey that you're in, right? So, you know, if you're if you're very early in your introduction to who God is and you haven't given your life to Christ, then, you know, it may be that just either reading the Bible or, you know, being in a community of people who are introducing you to what he's like is what does that, right? Is what you need. Um, you know, if you're in the the second, what I call the second stage, I call learning the way of Jesus. That is all about learning his ways and his patterns, what the kingdom of God is like. Um, that usually involves a lot of study, a lot of maybe even rules. Um, a lot of times people will get past that at a certain point. If you want to talk about like what I call finding yourself in Jesus, the next kind of stage in the journey, well, that then often it's suffering that kind of leads you closer to Christ, right? Like, which is not a popular message. People don't like to hear that, but we, that's kind of a catalyst for knowing, for knowing God um, in those situations. So it all, it all depends on where you are. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. The suffering aspect. Um, lately, I've been thinking about my own relationship with God and wanting it to be more, um, more uh, real or, you know, for closer as far as the relationship. Um, you know, I, I can kind of grasp or understand how to have a relationship with another person that I can see, sit in front of, talk with experience and with God for it to be a real relationship. Of course, it's going to be not just knowing about him. It's going to be experiencing him. And one way that I've thought that my own relationship with God was lacking was when it comes to security and trust. Um, I think that that's a way to experience um, God and then through experience to know him is when there is a crisis in life to, um, to trust him. I don't have a whole lot of experience in that. I mean, of course, when something bad's going on, you know, I pray about it, but I think I tend to really uh, depend upon myself first, um, you know, do whatever I can, um, rush, um, you know, check out all my options and so forth. But it seems like, but lately I've been thinking, you know, if we, we never want a problem, we never want a crisis, but if a crisis is what it takes to, um, know God better then perhaps crises are worth it. You know, well, so I would say two things. Um, 
You know, first of all, absolutely, it it does take uh, suffering to to kind of know God, and that um, that is super normal. You know, like that was one of the reasons I started my podcast is because I think I, when I was growing up, the testimony was always my life was terrible. Then I met Jesus, and now my life is great, and uh, that's good. That's a great story, except for all the other things that happen in life. Right, like uh, you know, you're old enough. That there's all kinds of things, right? Like there's lots of stuff that that we experience that make us wonder about God's goodness and about whether or not He's there to take care of us and whether or not He's going to come through. And so I wanted to tell that story because it's actually really well documented, not only in the lives of Christians who have come before us, but also uh, you know believers who are documented in Scripture. So that's why I love, for instance, Habakkuk. Right, that book just blows me away. Habakkuk shows up and asks God, hey, I don't like what's happening here. What are you going to do about it? And God responds to him. And then Habakkuk's like, well, I hate that even more. I don't know why, you know, why would you use the Babylonians? That's not cool. And then God responds to him again. And that's where God says, you know, the righteous will live by faith. Habakkuk was being faithful to take his suffering to God and his his opinions to God. So, um, And then it ends with this beautiful poem or psalm of worship. That's really great. So I think that's really important to, to go, yes, yeah, suffering actually, wrestling with God, He can, God can handle that, and that, that's a good thing. Um, and the second thing is um, that I would say it's also a partnership. And so, like, you talk about, well, you're quick to go to your own thing. And I, I would say God has actually made you to live your life in partnership with Him. Right. So like I'm not a fan of kind of language that says, oh, we're going to, you know, I, I can't depend on myself. The reality is God gave you all kinds of decision making ability and process and um, agency that matters. Now, do it prayerfully. Right. Go go to the Lord. This is what the kings of, of the Old Testament always got in trouble for when they got in trouble. Right. They didn't do it prayerfully. They didn't want to hear what God had to say. And so I'd say. Do it prayerfully. Think and pray and meditate and see what God would have you do. But it's also a everything in life is a partnership with God. You you act and you and you wait, but you trust Him for the results. And that posture, I think, will free up a lot of guilt and you know, kind of shame. Of I think that's the sort of heart posture we should have. So, you know, what gives um, you confidence? Um, faith is like an uncomfortable thing. Um, it, for example, you know, when we uh, depend upon God, when we pray, when we're in a tough situation and we ask and, and we come through it, um, it, we, you know, there's still like that uncertainty of, um, you know, is this something, um, you know, is our, our faith just a, a construct in our head, you know, so to speak? Uh, you know, perhaps, you know, I would have come through it anyway. And I think that personally, I have like a lot of reasons for confidence. I have just my conversion experience and what seems to be, you know, God working in my life. There's historical grounds in the Christian faith and so forth. But Still, 
just the matter of not having certainty, not seeing, you know, it's just an uncomfortable place to be, it seems for me sometimes. I'd like my faith to be stronger, and yet it is always faith. I've wondered sometimes, like, you know, why? Why faith? Um, I, I wonder if it it's better for the relationship, like if God's really interested in relationship and if somehow this relationship with him being a matter of faith makes the relationship better in some way. So, so I guess there's a couple questions there. Um, do you, um, you know, what a, for you gives you confidence and um, is that fine with you? Um, do you have any thoughts about why, um, you know, this is all a matter of faith or, or the Christian faith? Yeah. So I would, I think that the word faith can easily be substituted with the word trust, right? So do you mm-hmm. trust God? I think that's what God is after. He wants us to trust him. Um and that can be hard to do because he doesn't always come through. I was having this conversation with a friend last night. Like he, sometimes bad things happen and we, you know, and we can't do anything about it and God doesn't seem to do anything about it. And that's hard. Right. Um, but I think the thing he's always wanted, and this is throughout scripture, you can go back to go to the garden when he walked with Adam and Eve. And that was the thing that he wanted to have a relationship with them. You can go to the very end in Revelation where, you know, right there it says, God says his, he will make his dwelling with, you know, with, with humankind. And I, it says, I will be their God and they will be my people, which is also throughout Scripture. In, that's what God says of Israel the whole, the whole time, right? That's mm-hmm. his goal for history. So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree that as but it's, it just takes trust. And so I think God wants us to trust him. Um, just, but again, I go back to Habakkuk. That's why I think Habakkuk is so important. It's all over the Psalms as well. David or whoever's writing, you know, laying their hearts out before God and going, I don't get it. You know, this is not cool. And then uh, coming back to a place of, but I'm going to trust you. And I, you know, why is that the case? You ask, um, I think because every relationship works that way, right? Like it, you think of all your relationships, whether with your wife or your children or coworkers, they're all based on some level of trust. And I think that's what keeps us from going into a idea of God as a, uh, you know, just a sort of deity in this guy who's going to get us if we don't do all the right things. It's, it has to be based on a trust of who he is and his character. Okay. Does that help? Does that, does that answer the question? Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, it does make sense that any relationship has that trust element to it. And so it makes sense that, you know, God would call us to trust him. And that's the type of, and that's the way we would, you know, relate to, to him as a creature uh, relating to their to um, one's creator. Yeah. But think about what, what sin is. Sin is really just not trusting God, right? Yeah. 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 Right. It's not trusting what God said is true is true. And so mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. I think that's, I think there's something there. Yeah. 
it's just that the relationship with God is kind of different than any other than any other relationship we have, like creature to creature relationship. We're a part of creation. We're in the world. We're a part of the world, and we're relating to another part of the world. But then, when we're relating to our Creator, we're relating to one outside of the world, and it's like we can't look at the world to to experience that Creator. So it's you know, it's just a kind of a different type of thing that, yeah, you know, it's, it's just a little confusing. Sometimes. Well, it is a little, it is a little different and it's a little the same, right? So God is both, um, you know, transcendent and imminent, right? He's, he's both like outside, but he's also, that's the mystery. That's the beauty of it. So he, he can also become a person and then relate to us in a, in a very personal way. I had to ask. So when I was doing my, uh, master divinity, at the end, they make you do this sort of oral paper, right? So you, you write this big, long paper, and then you have to sit in front of some professors, and they ask you lots of really intimidating questions about what, what that means. And one of the questions they asked me was, does God ever change his mind? Because that was kind of a popular issue at the time. Mm-hmm. And I had to come back to, like, he never changes in his character or purposes. Those things are always true, right? We know that. But... Yeah, I think sometimes God does change his actions. I think he does. I think we see that with Moses when when God um you know, decide when he, Moses prays and says, "No, don't wipe them all out," right? Like, what are you going to do? How will people think of you then? And God says, "Okay." And it says God repents, right? Which is weird to us. We think, "Oh, that's can God do that?" Yeah, he can. He responded to a prayer. And so that's why prayer is important and powerful. It's not just that we that we get something. It's that God chooses to interact with us and to change how he acts in the world because of what we've asked. Uh, so, um, I, I, don't, I, guess, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think the whole thing of relationship and like, yeah, he is, he is this one thing. He is kind of outside, but he's also here. And so maybe that's just the mystery of it. Is there anything in particular that gives you confidence in the Christian faith, um, believing that, that this is all, you know, uh, real rather than um, just uh, a system that we've developed, you know, humanity has developed over the, yeah. you know, centuries, centuries and so forth. Well, you know, so that's kind of an interesting question for me uh, from a variety of, of perspectives. Um, because when you say things like, well, is this just something we've constructed? I'm pretty convinced that some of the things that we've constructed in the church in particular are just constructions, right? Like I think they don't, they are just some of the roles that we have and the, and the people that we elevate that has very little to do with Christianity or the, well, with the Lord, let me say that as far as I'm concerned. But as for my confidence and faith um, in him, you know, my, my podcast is all about experience. How do you experience the Lord? Um, that's what I wanted to do. So there's, there are lots of people who would teach you the Bible. There are lots of people who will tell you doctrine. I was never very good at those things, and I don't, I don't really enjoy that. What I enjoy is getting people to tell me their stories of their experiences with God and how God has led them. And so like you mentioned earlier, you have a, you have an amazing, you know, it sounds like an amazing story for how you came to faith. Like that's what God does. And I've heard so many of those. I, I think uh, I've published 229 episodes of my podcast as of today. 
And I've heard so many stories of how of some of them are miraculous. Some of them are just, you wouldn't believe. I interviewed one guy. He literally came to Christ. He was a bank robber. He was a bouncer at a strip mall of strip clubs, right? He went home and this, this guy had given him a Bible and he sat down with his New Testament in the New Testament, read it cover to cover, um, doing an eight ball of cocaine, which I don't know how much cocaine that is. It sounds like a lot to me, but he, that's what he did all night. He was doing cocaine and reading the Bible. And in the morning he was like, okay, God, I think this is right. I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow you. And he's had an amazing ministry ever since. And I could tell you story after story from my show where mm-hmm. that happened. But also I've had experiences, right, with, with God where I believe he spoke to me and at a time when I didn't even believe he could do that, right? Or I wasn't sure that that was like a, a thing, but it was like, a, so I'll give you an example. Go back to my seminary days. I preached a sermon, long story. It wasn't good. It, uh, and I was just distraught about kind of like, if I can't preach, well, how can I be a pastor? I don't know. God had other plans for me. So that was good. I can tell you that so the rest of that story if you want, but, um, but I was kind of up in the middle of the night and just severe anxiety. And I was praying and like, God, what am I going to do? And he said to me, you know, you weren't very good at taking phone calls at first either. And I just laughed, like, because I was at the time working in a call center. I could take 100 phone calls in one day, you know, and help and help people. I was like, I was so, like, I was the most efficient. I was the trainer. I could do all that. And so it just, like, I was like, oh, okay, I have to just keep practicing. And it just reminded me that God hadn't, called me to something or put me in a position that he didn't intend to use. Right. And so, um, you know, never ended up really doing that because he had other ideas, but that's, but it was a, an experience where I was like, ah, oh, and I could tell you that was not me. That was a voice outside of me. It wasn't audible, but it was not my voice. It was God's voice and it encouraged me. So it made me laugh. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a huge believer in experience. I just think that is sometimes neglected. Um, you know, there's it's one thing to have an intellectual understanding. I think that's very important. It has its place. But I also think we should be encouraging experience, even though I know that experience, like I just described, it's subjective, right? Nobody can say, oh, well, did that happen or not? I don't you can't question that because you weren't there and you're not me. Uh, but it gives me confidence and it gives it gives me faith. And I believe God, I sincerely believe the Lord will work that way in anyone's life who seeks him. I think that's why it says, seek first the kingdom of God. How often uh, is like experiencing God in a way similar to what you're, you were referring to? Is that something that happens, that reoccurs uh, with some frequency or is it like just um, a time or two or three you can think of when you look back over your life. Yeah. So this might sound kind of weird, um, but I do have friends who feel like God speaks to them all the time. And that's, that's great. I don't have those kinds of experiences very often. I can point to maybe one or two other times when I felt like God was leading me or said, saying things to me like that. Um, But I've also developed through kind of through praying um, in a just sitting with scripture and letting God speak to me through it. Um, 
there are other indicators for me that God is present and that he's kind of leading me in a, in a certain way. And some of them are physical, which is a little weird. Um, and so I know people get kind of freaked out by that, but like I will have a kind of tingling feeling when I feel like the Lord is near and when he's listening to me. Um, and I, you know, maybe there's no, I don't know. I, I, I wonder like, okay, is there like some other neurological thing or what? Who knows? Right. Like there's kind of those, those ideas in my mind. But it happens with enough regularity when I'm actively praying, actively seeking the Lord, and there's there's other things that have happened that I just I know that that's Him. I know that that's that He's reminding me that He's there, and so it's not it's not. Uh, it feels weird to say, right? But it it is something that happens, and so I I just I've come to trust it uh, through time. Okay. okay. So, How does that strike you? I'm really curious what you think. Well, um, it strikes me as like um, that God works in all kinds of different ways, and we um, um, yeah, that's how it, it strikes me. Um, it makes me kind of wonder about your um, like what are, what is your um, practices like, or your routines, or your what's prayer like for you. Um, is this uh, a structured thing or do you just you know, have a certain time for it? Do you just sit down with the word? Do you just, um, or, or what's it like? Yeah. Um, so these days I mostly do a practice called Lectio Divina. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's, mm-hmm. it's an old practice. Christians have been doing it for literally millennia. Um, but basically it's this, this short version is you read a passage and then you you reflect on the passage, and then uh, you respond to it, and then uh, so in prayer, right? And then you maybe sit with it for a while, and so you remain. And then um, you might return, also come back later in the day or or whatever. So I've developed that as a process. I found myself doing it naturally when I had to teach Romans eight one time, and so then I I found myself keep just coming back to it over and over and over again. And I had done, I've done enough Bible study, like formal Bible study, writing papers, doing the thing. Like I could do that inside and out all day, every day, right? It's just, that's, I did, I've done so much of that. I can do the study, but it was no longer encouraging me, right? It was no longer like, it was like, okay, this is just academic now and it's good. I had to find a new practice. And so I was kind of doing this automatically before I learned it in order to, to like just connect with the Lord through the scripture. And so um, that uh, that was that was kind of tough, uh, or that was kind it was kind it was a it was a great time to learn uh, that practice. So today, like for for instance, I'll spend months sometimes in one passage of scripture and pray it through like that. Um, last year, for me, the big one was John thirteen, just reading about Jesus washing the disciples' feet and going over it over and over and over again. Um, and noticing all the little cues I've, I never knew there's all these things. Jesus is really, he's kind of upset with Judas, right? He's casting these little glances at Judas and then the disciples are trying to figure out who is it. And there's all these things. Very fascinating. Jesus comes across very human and very humble as he's washing the, the disciples feet and telling them you do the same. So I've been reflecting on that. Um, but it is mostly to answer your question, I guess more specifically, yeah, especially when the kids are not here, it's easier. I can spend, I spend, you know, half hour or so 
just every every morning get get scriptures out, open it up, and then go through that process. And uh, that seems to work for me. How? What's your interaction with people outside of the faith? Like, um, for example, we are going through a my family a study called "Behold." It's pretty neat. It divides up the the gospel according to John and little passages. And then there's a few questions, the same questions that are asked of each passage. You know, what does this passage show of the brokenness of humanity and how do I share in that? How does God respond? And the and then working on down to the, the last question is how, um, or who others, who uh, can I share this with? Um, and I guess it's perhaps referring to those who are outside of the faith. Who can I share with, you know, what God is showing me? I guess it doesn't necessarily have to, you know, be those outside of the faith. But do you see um, God working? Um, like I, there's a lot of, I have a lot of interaction with those outside of the faith through meetup groups and things like that. And sometimes through podcasting, I'd like to see more of, like the spirit working, drawing people into the kingdom. Um, I'm maybe what I need is just more of a longer view, which I, you know, don't, so I don't know what's going to happen, you know, if I over the, over time, but how's things for you? Um, do you see God working in those who are outside of the faith as you interact with them? And how's that going? Mm, yeah. You know, I don't interact with people outside the faith as much as I used to. Um, so I, I quit my job a few years ago, and I've been working on podcasting full-time. Hmm. And so I don't really have as much opportunity. I'm mostly holed up in my basement and making things, right? So <laughs> that's uh, that's it. But I do see the Lord working. So when when I, you know, when I did work in an office— um, we would, because just who I am, so I would talk, right, about things, about what's going on, about uh, spiritual matters, about what what I thought about things that were happening during in the day. And I had so many amazing conversations. You know, I, it, it really convinced me. Uh, I grew up to think of people who weren't Christian already as the lost, right, or the people, the world, the people out there, and that they were somehow against us right, as Christians, and I realized they're not really, they're just, they're people who are trying to live their life and they're looking for peace just like I am. And they're looking for joy and they're looking for all the same things because they're human and they're made in God's image, just like we are, right? Just like I am. And so, um, you know, I, I look for those things, those points of connection and um, would actually much rather talk about those things than you know, when it comes up, if somebody wants to talk about it, we can go, we can talk all about the faith, however much they'd like, but that's, uh, that's kind of what I do. But I think I really believe God is always working. And I think he's always calling everyone to himself. That's just how I, how I think of it. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, for me, um, yeah, I, I have this desire, you know, for God. When I read the the Bible, it just resonates with me. Um, but for some people, it just doesn't seem to do so so much. Like 
I sometimes I'm with somebody and I'll just kind of go through an outline of the biblical story of the fall and uh, Jesus and redemption and the kingdom of God. And I just, and I just wonder, you know, what are they thinking? Like, is this hitting them somewhere? (laughs) And I don't know. Sometimes it, um, you know, I'm just kind of seeing a blank face, but perhaps, perhaps something's going on that, uh, you know, I don't see, or perhaps something will happen in the future with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's probably where I take a little different approach. Like I, I would much rather, like I said, kind of have a conversation about them and about, you know, where, you know, where, um, I don't know what their, what their hopes and dreams are. Jesus, Jesus comes up. The funny thing is he always comes up somehow, right? Like at least for me, because <laughs> I'm always talking about, him. but, um, but yeah, I, that's interesting. That's, that's, it's good. I, I've seen God work in so many ways. And I think my, I think the key is be faithful to what you think God is asking you to do. You know, I, I shared a story from my podcast with, we did, we did this big Christian podcast summit this weekend, last weekend. And, uh, I opened it up with a story because I thought it was so, so valuable for us who are podcasters and maybe we're not getting the reach that we want on social and all these things. This guy, this man I interviewed named Dan Rudman, he went to, um, a big, you know, state university and, uh, one of the RAs in his dorm showed a Josh McDowell film. This is like the seventies about, um, you know, about relationships. Well, he was young, young guy. He was kind of interested in relationships, right? So he was interested in that. And so he kind of found himself in and out and in and out. And Josh McDowell encouraged them to, to get a Bible and read the gospel of John. Well, he couldn't find the Gospel of John. He got a Bible. He kind of knew a little bit because he grew up in kind of a nominally Christian home, but wasn't really. And he read, he ended up in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He, so he read these little epistles, and he realizes that he's on the side of darkness and that he needs to be on the side of light. And so he wrestles with God for two weeks, and he finally says, God, whatever you got to do, I want to be on your side. And he finally gives his life to Christ. Well, it turned out, he he ended up going uh, shortly thereafter to uh, the campus bar, you know, old habits, and he was uh, and and the song "Highway to Hell" came on from ACDC, right? Everybody gets up and they're dancing and they're singing "Highway to Hell," right? And he goes, he he goes, I couldn't, like, I couldn't stop myself. I wanted to get up on the table and say, "You are on a highway to hell." If you're not trusting in Jesus, you are, because he was an evangelist, right? God had made him, created him to be an evangelist. So he's actually preached the gospel to literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people, like hundreds of thousands of people around the world for his job. That's what he does uh, around the, like around the world. Here's the kicker. He told me he never saw that RA again. So that, that RA has no idea that his small act of faithfulness of showing this Josh McDowell film actually brought thousands of people to Christ around the world, right? The one small act of faithfulness God used for really big results. I love that story because I think that's exactly how God works. And so, you know, whether whether you share the gospel with somebody because you feel like you need to and they respond right then and there, who knows? You know, but you can leave it in God's hands and and maybe he'll do something with it and you'll never know until we get to eternity and we're like, whoa, really all that? Because I did one thing, and imagine how I just, this humbling and like 
beautiful that's going to be. I, I'm, I think about that a lot. Yeah, that's neat. It's encouraging. Well, as far as podcasting goes, you kind of related, you know, or implied like why you podcast. Um, what has the result been or how have you been changed through all of these conversations? Yeah, man, I've been changed so much. Like I've, I've changed a lot. <laughs> so I absolutely, one, I believe in the power of experience with God for sure. I absolutely believe that God speaks to you and works supernaturally. I don't think I believe that really uh, before I started, even though I would have theologically said yes, wouldn't have uh, uh, believed it as much. Um, I trust that God uses things just like I just said, because um, I can't, t- there's things that I have been skeptical of. I'll just give you an example. Church camp, right? Like, okay, revivals. I, but I've had more than one person who came to Christ because of Billy Graham, right? Or because of a Louise Plow thing or a, like, a, like a big revival tent meeting, right? Um, or found Jesus at camp or found Jesus because of Campus Crusade or one of these, one of these places where they're just, they're doing the thing, right? They're, do, they're, they're out there and they're, they're being, they're building relationships or whatever. And that's awesome, right? That's amazing, right? That's, I love that. So, um, I think God, um, I, I just, I'm just a lot less skeptical of, of other people's methods, maybe of things that I'm kind of like a little, was a little unsure about before and, and go, yeah, I think God actually just uses everything. And, and so maybe, you know, I'll just trust that and, and, try to find out more about what he's trying to do in their life. Yeah. Well, um, you've related to, you've um, kind of implied some challenges that have taken place in your own life in the past. Um, well, if you just kind of thought about the, your the overall arc of your life, is there anything that comes to mind when you consider f- for you what is the what seems to be the challenge of your life? Like, what is the the big thing that you've had to trust God in, and that's been you know a, a hurdle? Yeah. Well, so the big thing right now is. Um, just finding my own identity in him. And I struggled for years. So I told you, I kind of, I went to seminary. I was, I spent a long time wanting to be a pastor, graduated in the middle of the downturn in 2009. And what wasn't able to do that? Um, lots of reasons. Some of it was my own immaturity. Some of it was people weren't hiring, right? That was just a tough time. And so if they were hiring, they were much better candidates than me. Um, and then, uh, so I spent a long time trying to like put, putting my identity in my work and who I was. And, you know, I eventually left my job and, and did this kind of podcasting thing full time. I'm creating memberships. I'm creating things for, for podcasters. Um, and yet, you know, it's easy to, it would be easy to try to put my identity in that, like that, that's who I am, but I'm not, I'm the person who God wants me to be right. I am the beloved of God and I am trying to live into that. And so 
I really think that's like, if you want to boil it down, that's the struggle, even though it looks like trying to find my calling, trying to find who I, who God wants me to be. It's really being, you know, just putting my identity in the fact that I'm God's instead of that I do this thing or I make this amount of money or I have these relationships. It's none of that. It's, it's, it's something else. The person who uh, referred you to me, he's also big into um, identity and how, as a child of God and how that, um, you know, really should shape how we think and, and everything that we do. So it's interesting that you, you mentioned that. You know, as far as podcasting goes, um, it's been super, uh, a super thing for me uh, as a way just to reach out to people. Um, both Christians and non-Christians, um, just, you know, because you can talk about things you normally wouldn't talk about because it's more customary to do small talk, but when you press the record button, you know, it, it it's just understood, you know, things are, can go more deeper and you can talk about the really important things. And um, I've even gone out on the street, you know, with the recorder and just... Uh, walked up to people and talked with them and it's been a really neat experience for me but I've never thought of it in a serious way like this could be something viable for um, you know to earn some kind of income that would support you know spending more time in it or something like that it's just been just about me um, something that I could do so I don't spend too much time trying to promote my podcast. Don't spend time on social media or, or any of that. Um, because I guess I've never really thought of it as being, um, there being, you know, much hope in it, um, to consider it that way. I just consider it, well, it's just a way to reach out, something to do, a way to connect. But it sounds like, you know, you are, um, this is a full-time thing for you. So, Am I kind of thinking of it in the wrong way, do you think? Or um, what are your thoughts for, you know, fellow podcasters? Um, how should they think of their podcast? Should Is it something that's reasonable to, to, to think that, uh, yeah, this could be like um, something to get to is in like a profession or something along those lines? Well, it is 100% reasonable to think that because um, people are doing it every day, right? So if other people can do it, you can do it too. Um, I, the thing is, you, you really depends on your goals, right? So I have friends who never want to monetize their podcast. They never want to you know, figure out uh, how to do that. It's their ministry, and they enjoy that, and that's fine. If that's who you are, that's what God's asking you to do. Be faithful to that. Okay, I'm not going not gonna to challenge you in that. But podcasting is expensive, as you probably are aware, right? Like there's between equipment and, um, you know, hosting and all those things. There are free ways to do it, but, you know, uh, that's going to probably limit your growth. So, you know, there, there are lots of ways to monetize your podcast or to monetize kind of your relationship uh, with your audience to serve them. And so I think that's the question. You know, if you're if God's calling you to something to share these kinds of stories or share, you know, a particular message, 
the only way you get to do that more is if you can actually make enough money to make that the thing that you do, right? Like that's, and so that's the way that I think of it. The good thing is, you know, it's, well, I'll say it this way. It's really tough to monetize your podcast directly if you don't have a certain number of downloads, right? If you get to a, get, get a big show, people will pay you so that you can advertise for them. I personally hate ads, so I never really want to do ads, right? But there's lots of things around podcasting. You have to do a lot, develop a lot of skills to be a podcaster, like editing. People pay other people to edit. Uh, so I do a lot of graphic design. You can, you can, for my podcast, not professionally, but that's people pay others to do that. They can do, you know, or in my case, I've developed a membership so I can teach other podcasters how to podcast and how to improve their show and get to that point of member of, of, um, of monetization. Well, the cool thing is, you know, I get to there. I get to I get to help them do, on that journey and then have more influence in that whole thing. I don't know about you or it, or you know if there's other podcasters listening to us. Whatever your um, goal is, whatever the message is that God's given you, you're you're helping survivors of abuse or you're helping you know what whoever it is. There's something in there, whether it's coaching or you know creating a membership yourself where you're giving them resources every month or coach or you know teaching them how to do something. There's a way to do that. And it's never been more possible. And even if all you do is you cover your costs for your podcast for the year, um, that might be great. Or maybe it's donations. Patreon will allow you to to take donations, right? There's ways to do that. I had no idea. Um, Like I I went two, two and a half years before I opened a Patreon and several of my friends were like, finally. And they started giving me like, unbelievable amounts of money. I was like, you guys can't do this every month. Come on. They do. They do. And because they believe in what I'm doing. And so, and that's not just about um, monetization. That's just about them being good friends. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, and so you may have listeners who want to help you because they appreciate what you've done. Don't tell them no. (laughs) Let them do that. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Well, Eric, um, what what do you find satisfying in life right now? Mm. I love that at this point I do get to use my gifts every single day. I do get to be who I am. Um, so I, I've developed, I've realized that I really love curating things and bringing in um, curating kind of an experience. So like we did the uh, Christian Podcast Summit and – we curated an amazing group of speakers. Like every time somebody would come on, I was getting text messages and messages in the chat and like all these things. People are like, I love this. I can't believe how great this is exactly what I needed. And that just really affirmed me. Cause I got, cause I spent a lot of time and uh, expended a tremendous amount of emotional energy to make those asks right in order to create a really great experience. And it was worth it. Like, I, I love that. That's, I do the same thing in my podcast. I try to curate the experiences that I'm hearing about. Sometimes people have, you know, big seasons of suffering. Sometimes people have big seasons of spiritual growth or, you know, knowledge growth or whatever. And I'm trying to curate that, whether you come from the American South or the Northwest or, you know, I've interviewed people from New Zealand and in England and all over the world. Um, because that's just fun. So like, I, I love to like give, it gives us a different perspective when other people 
when you can kind of curate that. So that's that's what I enjoy. Okay, cool. You know, taking just kind of a turn now, n- not meaning to kind of get into our country's political situation, but just kind of thinking about how, uh, as a podcaster, it's all about connecting, communicating, listening to people. But in our climate now, our cultural climate, there's so little of that, but it seems like there's a lot of um, just listening to people who think along the same lines as one does themselves, um, referring to other people in just blanket statements, um, and not really being able to communicate or, um, you know, being able to go on a rant perhaps, but not um, being able to have like a nuanced listening to the other side, coming together and connecting and things like that. Um, Do you have any thoughts about um, what to do or how to cultivate that? Or um, I guess just the example that you're setting is, um, is something, but it's just a little bit frustrating for me, when I just look out at our culture and just see the lack of ability to just to listen and to connect and talk and communicate in a way where you're showing respect and care for, you know, the other person. Yeah, well, that's that's really the key, right, is to realize. So I think theologically, as, as a Christian, we have to understand that the people who don't think like us are still made in the image of God. Right, like that's super key, um, and and that should drive every single interaction that we have with another person. I think that's exactly what drove Jesus. He saw people who God loved, not sinners. Right, even though he was almost never concerned about getting dirty himself, he was concerned about does this person know who God is and that God loves him. I th- I think that's uh, that's super important. So having keeping that perspective, absolutely. I think also just you, you, you totally nailed it. Um, listening to people who are not like us. So I would say if you, you know, if you if there's somebody that you consider your enemy, let's just we'll go with politics, like you said. If you're a Republican, go find a Democrat friend and get get them for coffee or or just a Zoom meeting, whatever it is right now. And say, look, I'm going to just ask questions. Commit yourself to just for an hour, just ask questions about what they think. And listen, like even though you'll be tempted to argue and you think, no, that's not how that really is, just ask questions. And I guarantee if you do that, you'll leave with a better understanding of their position and why they hold it, even if you don't agree with it, if you just hear. And that practice right there will do wonders for for us, it, it would totally, totally change things. Um, I don't think, man, I used to be, you probably didn't know this, but I used to be a political junkie. Like I love politics. I, I, one of my goals in life is to read a biography of every U S president. I'm up to Jackson. I got stuck at Martin Van Buren because there are no, uh, there are no audiobooks of Martin Van Buren biographies cause nobody cares. Right. But so that's uh, but that's what I'm doing because I just love politics. But, um, 
I eventually had to figure out that this is not how we're going to change the world, right? The kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of the United States of America. They're not the same thing. And I grew up to being told that they were, they're not. So given, since that's the case, I have to treat people as if the kingdom of God is my allegiance, not the United States and my political agenda. And it's a big, big difference. So anyway, I I probably, I could go on about that for a while, as you can tell. Yeah, I like your advice, getting together with someone and just asking them questions, having a cup of coffee together, someone who doesn't think the same way that you do. You know, coming from a uh, you know biblical studies and seminary background and that type of thing, um, do you... Um, is there, you know, aspects of our um, our church culture that um, you, you kind of um, just think just doesn't really line up with um, biblical Christianity? Or, I guess another way to ask it is: um, Is there anything about church that you would change the way we gather together and meet together and spend time together and enjoy Christian fellowship? Um, you know, what would it be like for you um, if it was, you know, is there an ideal way that you would like to see it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Am I allowed to say everything? No, I'm not going to say that. All right. <laughs> so um, not really. I, uh, so okay. one of the things that happened, it was like the one of the first interviews I did for my show was a guy named Richard Jacobson who wrote a book called Unchurching. And that set me on this path of really reconsidering what we do on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, I am over uh, churches who make Sunday morning the big production, right? Like I like worship music. I, I like worshiping. I like hearing a good talk, but some of these expectations and some of the things that we've done, I think are really problematic. We, on, on a Sunday morning, we elevate people with certain gifts and we give them all the time. And I don't think you see that in Scripture. I think in Scripture you see everyone who has a gift brings something and edifies the body, and that that's what we should do. So if I could change one thing, I would say let's eat together more, right? Let's sit down, and I would love, I would love nothing more. My, my dad's church does this. They have in, in every morning. That's a huge church, right? It's 20,000 people, and it's the biggest church in Iowa. Like It's, it's a huge church. So they can do this, but they, they have a chef and he makes breakfast on, on a Sunday morning. Right. So like for all these people, like thousands of people, they make, they, and they put it out and you can donate if you want and you just pick up, you know, you get your, you get your food and, and you can go sit down and eat together. And so when we're visiting him, we don't have to think about breakfast. We just go, okay, let's go eat. We donate and we go to church and it's just this, like you see other people now, if it were my home church, I would try to do that every week and sit with somebody new, right? In a church of 20,000, I'll probably find somebody new every week for the rest of my life, right? Like, no problem. And, um, but I think that, and then who knows what you would learn about others and about, you know, what people are able to do and their gifts. I'll give you another example from that church. My dad spent 45 years working for the city of Des Moines, Iowa, uh, maintaining their police fire 911 response, right? I'm really proud of him for that. That's so cool. Uh, 
but one of the skills he had to have to do that job as he kind of worked his way up was soldering. He could solder like nobody's business. He'd done a lot of it, right? Well, this church that he goes to, they they had him they had him up in the, like the their kind of control booth for when they're doing services and stuff, and so he thought that was cool to see. And they asked him like, "Is this something you want to do? We're looking for people if you want to kind of help us run things." And my dad's not that kind of guy. If he's going to make a mistake and it is going to show up on the stage, he's not happy about that, right? Like that's not his thing. Um, so he goes, "Not really." And they go, "Okay, great, that's fine, no problem. If there is something, let us know." And then a few a little while later, they said to him, "Can you?" Hey, can you solder? And he goes, can I solder? I can solder, right? Like he's like, this is my skill. So they bring him in and he literally helped like wire their, a new campus that they're doing with, like he created the wires and he wired them all into the board and like pristine, beautiful, professional soldering for free, right? Like he, he did this all for them and they were thrilled. And so when they have, when they have an issue, Hey, we need, we need somebody to solder. They call my dad. And he's able to use his gifts in in something that doesn't show up. I mean, with Will, if he didn't do it well, it'll show up on a Sunday morning, right? But he does it great. And so he's he's serving the mission with the gifts that God gave him. And I just wish that we did that more. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's just my church. I think we've, we've privileged these things because we think they're important. And it is important to get good teaching. But it's not all. And I would love to see more conversations. I would love to see more like just talking, you know. So I'm one of these days, I'm giving you a long answer here, but I'm I really like this is a subject I'm passionate about. One of these days I want to do a maybe it's not a sermon, but a teaching time on a Sunday morning where I think about it in terms of instead of me bringing a passage and telling you what to do with it or think or, or apply how to apply it. I would like to look at it as, okay, let's start a conversation between you and the Bible, between you and God, between you and me, between you, the audience and your fellow audience members. Right. I wonder what that would do. Like, I just think if we think about it in terms of instead of a, a lecture, sort of lecture style, which to be honest, is going out. That is not, I can hear way better sermons on a podcast, right? Like that's just the reality. Uh, but I, but people, and people aren't learning that way. The way they're learning now is they're learning a conversation. And so I think creating that kind of an environment uh, would be really powerful. And I think it would actually make better disciples. And so that's, that's kind of my, my, my rant on, what would I change about church? You didn't know you were stepping on landmine, did you? <laughs> it, reminds, it reminds me of, um, oh, there's a, the Godin, uh, there's the a marketing guru. Yeah, Seth Godin. Seth Godin, yeah. He talks about school in, uh, yes. I think, a similar way. Dude, I'm so influenced um, by that guy. Totally. He are you? Are you? he does, and he's right. He talks about school like, hey, this is this the way we do school was made for the industrial age. It doesn't work anymore. We need to, the economy shifted. We need to do that. And I feel exactly the same way. Sky Jatani, who's used to be at Christianity today and is on the Holy Post podcast with Phil Vischer, wrote an article last year. You should look it up. It's called um, uh, The Case Against Sermon-Centric Sundays. And in that, he argues, he's a preacher. And he said, look, I'm a preacher. Uh, and this is hard for me to admit. But in there, he argues that we probably should move away from the sermon being the center and move more to a more Eucharistic center 
where where it, but what's the Eucharist? What's communion? It's an experience, right? It's a physical. You taste something. You put something in your mouth. You contemplate. It's it's a it's an experience. And so he goes, we should shift our services to be more toward communion than anything else because that's how people are learning. And I think he's a hundred percent right. Hmm. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, more centered on the Eucharist. So are, are you referring to like the Lord's supper yes. taking the bread and the wine? Yeah, exactly. And so exactly. And so, but like that's as a Protestant, right? That's, mm-hmm. we don't do that. Right. Because we just, we're like, Oh no, that's not our, that's, that's too, too formal, too mystical, whatever. But I think that's where our culture is headed. And I think, I think that's how we serve disciples and make disciples in the next, I don't know, one, two, three, 500 years. I think that's how it's going to be. Hmm. Well, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I was wondering with the, the pandemic if, um, you know, how that might change our, our church culture um, rather than just enduring it and trying to get through it and go back just to doing everything the same way we used to. Right. If um, it would have been, um, you know, an opportunity to just reconsider because some of the things that um, might create more intimacy um or give room for more intimacy would fit better with a pandemic, like meeting in smaller groups yeah. rather than all crowding in together in a real large group. Well, I think even churches, you know, the, resp- the the majority response, I'll put it that way. The majority of churches that I saw responded by uh, putting their services online and live streaming their service. Now I'm glad they did that, right? Because they'll probably get bigger reach and, and, you know, I could watch it home safely and, and all that. Okay. But boy, think about the opportunity. I mean, you, you and I, like, it sounds like you're not, not a huge social media guy. Um, but I like, I I'm on social media all the time and I'm connecting and I've made, I built relationships yesterday. I was on a, a book study where we had a really deep conversation, really personal conversation with three guys, one in San Diego and one in Connecticut and me in Denver, right? Right in the middle of the, of the country. We were able to, like we're sharpening each other and we're, we're developing relationship that where we're actually discipling one another, right? Like it's the iron sharpens iron thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have that at my church, right? If that's what I do, I do have guys like that, I guess, but they're not many and it's not a formal program, right? It's not the thing that happens on Sunday. It's something that happens outside of that service. And I just think there's an opportunity to think about what we're doing online. Nope. People, everybody knows what Zoom is now. Everybody can attend. I, my, my sister, for instance, is going to a, she's learning how to study the Bible in a class that some woman's doing a class. Um, and she she's like, you know, I've never really done that and I would like to do that. And so she's learning it through a book that I that I used when I was in college, right? Because I, cause I got the degree, right? But I love it. And I love that somebody's discipling her in that way. Let's think about this bigger. Let's think about it in terms of how can we make disciples using what we have available online. You don't have to gather them together. You can make disciples around the world on Zoom every day. What are we doing? How are we not doing that? We've got to do that. We have to rethink our ministry. It's not just in the physical location. It's around the world. And if you believe in your teaching and you believe in in what you do, I don't see how you can avoid it. There's something that's been 
happening in St. Louis for the past few years. I think it started with a particular church, but they, um, and it's a men's type of movement. They started meeting um, in groups of four, and they're going through a book by James Ogden, um, no, Greg Ogden, called Discipleship Essentials. So it's just a basic discipleship um, type of book, and they break each chapter down into four sections, and it in, and then they meet weekly, and it ends up being a two-year type of thing that you're kind of committing yeah. to. And then at the very end, they um, they break up, and then each person you know, looks for three other people. And then, so the group multiplies that way. And it's a pretty, from what I hear, it's a pretty big thing right now as far as the multiplication that has taken place. But it seems ideal for forming close relationships and discipling, discipling through, you know, a relational type of thing. Some of them are meeting on Zoom right now too. But. Yeah. Well, I, it does. It really does. And I think we need to not be afraid of that power. You know, like I, I think there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are just afraid of the, of the format and the, and the tools, but we don't need to be, and we'll, we'll make better disciples and more disciples if we're not. Yeah. Well, um, something I'd like to ask you here before, um, before we, you know, our conversation comes to an end is in your about page on your website, you mentioned about some struggles you've gone through in your life. And then uh, it, it kind of came to the point of like either giving up or, you know, this alter- alternative or that al- alternative, or in the way you put it, or keep pressing into what God promised. So could you, um, Describe for us just what you mean by that. You know, what has God promised? What are you pressing into? Um, you know, what what is it that you desire when it comes to that? Yeah, boy, that's a good question. So I have this weird belief that, you know, like I, I described a little bit earlier that my, my main um, my main goal was trying to find where God has me, right? What, what his mission for me was. Um, but I also have this, this weird belief that, that to be fully ourselves is part of the, part of the gospel, right? It is part of God's plan that, that if I'm fully who he made me to be, that that glorifies him most. And so I call that finding yourself in Christ, and there's a whole lot to to that. Um, but that's kind of it, that was kind of forged in trying to find it myself, you know, trying to find out who who is God for me. And a lot of that, like I said, was kind of wrestling through what should I be doing for work. I worked at a bank for 13 years, and I hated it. <laughs> like that's not my style. I don't love the market. I don't love financial advice. I don't love Bouncing people's checks. I literally bounce people's checks for years as my job. That leaves a little scar on your soul. Well, like it just gives you a little bit, like it's not fun. Um, but that, so that's kind of where that wrestling comes from for me. Like it was, it was, it was all those things. I think God has promised if we follow him, you know, he doesn't promise everything will be easy, uh, 
but he does promise that we'll we'll find joy and life. And I think that comes partly from being the people that he's made us to be. Hmm. That's neat. Um, that part of the gospel is being fully who we are. And that does make sense to me because um, the gospel um, should eliminate fear if we, um, if it really affects us, if it gets a hold of us. Um, and fear sometimes keeps us from being who we fully are. Always. Because we're trying to live for someone else. Yeah. For an impression. Isn't it always? Like. It's always because we're afraid of somebody or something, right? Like there's always something like that. So I totally, I totally agree. And that's, that's just got to go. Like that's, that's has no place in being a Christian. Fear is not part of it. So that goes back to what we talked about earlier with trust, right? We trust God and we trust ourselves or just trust who he's made us to be. We can live in that. And it's, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. I think that might be part of why I, um, kind of crave connection, even though I'm rather introvert, um, to connect with someone in conversation is like an exercise of, of being transparent, um, ideally. And it's an exercise of laying aside fear and seeing the other person and them seeing me and, uh, um, I don't know. Uh, perhaps that's why that's why it seems significant to me. Um, it's been a little bit confusing, but sometimes uh, I'm a part of this. I have this planner going on that does a weekly um, preview at the end, looking back over the week as part of it. You know, what were the highlights of the week? So I, I list them, and normally it's some kind of connection or conversation or or something with another person. And it's, it's been a little bit of a mystery to me. Like, why does that seem so significant? Um, but perhaps it has something to do with this, um, that it's an exercise of, you know, trying to lay aside fear for a bit and be authentic and uh, connect with someone. I love that. Well, Eric, it's been really good to talk with you, and I appreciate your podcast. Is there anything that you would like to say as far as how people uh, should connect with you? Um, anything you want to direct them to or anything else before we sign off? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, first of all, no matter you know where you are, God has a plan for you. He has something that he wants you uh, to do. Uh, and so the relentless pursuit of that is probably the most important thing you can do in your life. Um, to find me, my podcast is at ericnevins.com. That's the easiest way. I'm on all the socials as Eric Nevins. You can find me. My show is called Halfway There. If you're in the podcast app right now, just flip over and and uh, you can subscribe to it right there, listen to it. There's always something interesting going on. Um, there's uh, even just what I published this year already. I'm so proud of. It's really good stuff. I know it'll encourage you. Thanks, Eric. I really appreciate the conversation. Thanks, brother.